Lord be with you. And also lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Friends near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us in worship. With joy today, we continue to embrace our shared epiphany. In our shared epiphany this early winter, we have prepared to start. This morning, we affirm the strength to start. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
pray. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, give us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, as we continue together to learn the language of contrition, to speak the tongue of confession, to find our way to a sense of regret and so to the pardon of God, we recognize that we will need to live in a way that is less naive in its assumptions, more modest in its ambitions, more humble in its approach, and more imaginative in its anticipation of what can go wrong. Let us bow together in silent confession. Beloved, hear the good news, the beginning of faith, strength to start. We are in the embrace 
of a pardoning God. If we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us say responsively verses from Psalm 30 with the antiphon. For you have drawn me up, and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For God's anger is but for a moment. God's favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Beloved of God, rise up in body if you are able and certainly in heart for the singing of the Gloria Dei, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. According to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Glory to you, O Lord. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In our shared epiphany, we have prepared to start. So across this early winter, we have heard of beginning to breathe, beginning by breathing. We have celebrated a new birth of freedom. We have noticed and enjoyed the intersection of love and music. We have affirmed and received a winter grace, and we have noticed the possibility of starting over. It remains, dear friends, to find the strength to start. Knowing becomes doing through choosing. Did you hear the echo of Jesus' teaching in Mark, the beginning of the Gospel? If you choose, I do choose. Knowing becomes doing through choosing, or as we might say here at Boston University, learning becomes virtue through piety. Learning becomes virtue through piety. So, you have begun by breathing, good for you. You have celebrated a new birth of freedom, good for you. You have enjoyed love and music, they go together, good for you. You have received as a blanket a winter grace, good for you, and you are ready to start over. The question is finding the strength to do so. Shakespeare knew the power of starting over. He knew the beauty of dawn. You remember his little line, the gray-eyed morn smiles on the frowning night. 
as so many, the gray-eyed morn smiles on the frowning night. In another lifetime, I would like to leave behind what I have been doing and find a little school in which to teach Shakespeare. This country doesn't need a five-cent cigar or a chicken in every pot as much as it needs Shakespeare in every junior high school and senior high school because Shakespeare knew the difficulty of moral judgment. Shakespeare knew the ambiguity of corporate and government life. He knew that strange intermingling of spirituality and sexuality, and he knew the elusive mobility of truth. To speak and hear the truth requires rapt attention at every moment, another lifetime. We are finding the strength to start, maybe to start another day, to start another week, to start with another plan, to start another season, strength to begin in childhood, Maturity will come soon enough. Strength to begin in the summer of life. Autumn is just around the corner. Strength to begin come the Lord's Day every Sunday. To stand and sing, to bow and pray, to confess and receive pardon, and to begin to begin again, to find the strength so to do. We have three encouraging offerings for you should you be a part of that movement, that initiation, that desire to find the strength to start. For in the first place, we may say plainly, we find strength to start in Christ himself. This winter, we have followed the narrative of Mark and the teaching of Jesus embedded in a pattern of his ministry. But have you noticed alongside that there have been readings from Corinthians? We back up to the very beginning of Corinthians today to capture all that we have heard in seven weeks. Paul in Corinthians offers a salutation. It is in structure like those of his time, but it is a full forecast of everything that is yet to come. He's giving a sense of how to begin with confidence. And yes, as in every community, there is endless contention and intractable difference, and in Corinthians we will find such. Nonetheless, here Paul begins with a strength to start. We had a sixth grade teacher of blessed memory who began every day, and she was a rigorous taskmaster. But she started with 30 minutes of reading from Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn, excuse me, or from Harriet the Spy or from The Hobbit. And she opened us and kept in the imagination a memory and a longing. I think of Charles Darwin starting out on his five years of journey on that little ship, the Beagle. What a nice name for a boat. Off he went around the globe, and he gathered, and he observed, and he started. He found the strength to begin what would become for us such an important, his lifelong work of describing our start, our origin. This summer at Marsh Chapel, you will enjoy ten sermons devoted to Darwin and faith, religion, and science as a part of the university's celebration 200 years later of Charles Darwin. We passed his birthday just this week. We begin with Corinthians. Did you ever feel like you needed to take a spiritual shower just to start over, to take a bath, to gain that glossary of terms with which we begin, we find that strength in Christ? Here it is. Grace, faith, fellowship, the saints combined, sanctification, salvation, all together we have been bathed in him, bathed in Christ. And we confess, we state plainly, this is the purpose of our embodying our presence in worship, that we find strength to start. It takes a certain kind of power, a certain impulse to move off the dime, to start, whatever your start is. Some of that I may know a little bit about because many of our starts are shared, but others are yours and yours alone. Only in full do you know the beginning you make this epiphany. We find strength to start in the person of Christ. In the second place, we may state plainly that we find strength to start even in times of trouble. Particularly in times of challenge, the capacity to start is a difficulty, requires a newness. Allow me to trace this with you, first with a little bit of ostensible humor, but then also with 
a connection to a current tragedy. You know that we were born and raised along the Finger Lakes of upstate New York, and there 20 years ago, 20 winters ago, and we celebrated the advance of our then hometown team, team the Syracuse Orangemen, and they came that year within one basket of winning the national championship. Oh, Derek Coleman, how could you have missed that shot? But he did. It was a time of grief, of, of loss, if you will. Monday, that week at Rotary, Judge Schultz, a normally taciturn person, offered the weekly prayer, and he began in good traditional form. We thank you, Lord, for these gifts. We thank you for every blessing. We thank you that we learn as much, no more, from our losses as our victories, from our failures as well as our successes. Even though, Lord, we would not have wanted to have this happen at the hands of that team from Indiana which lacked fidelity under the hands of that hurtful and ruthless guide, Bobby Knight, and furthermore, though we don't always expect to win, we do demand justice, and he sat down. <laughs> There is in, in loss something that we receive. And starting in this frame with a moment of humor and warmth, move with me for a moment across the Erie Canal. Albany, Utica, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, each has a little different uh, savor why you could feast your way across the Dutch in Albany and the Italians in Utica and the Irish in Syracuse and the Germans in Rochester and the Polish in Buffalo and you could have cheese in Albany and cannoli in Utica and corned beef in Syracuse and uh, sauerbraten in Rochester and something called, Emily and I helped me, beef on wick in Buffalo. You can move all the way across. With you in these hours, our minds and hearts are connected to a little church on that landscape between the Finger Lakes and the Great Lakes, a little village called Clarence Center of little renown, two little churches there, a place where tragedy has fallen this week, waiting to see whether there were names, by God's grace not, that we knew, waiting to hear the impact and the outcome of something that we cannot explain. We may have a functional understanding at some point of how the plane fell, but in an existential range, we don't know what to say. We don't know why these things happen. The scripture says that the race is not always to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor riches to the wise, nor favor to the people of skill, but time and chance happen to all. Well, here is our experience, time and chance befall all. No, we, we lack the tongue to name and describe why such things happen, but our faith is not meant always or only to give us the power to understand. Faith in time of trial is the capacity, strength to start, to withstand even what we cannot understand so that we find the power to withstand even we, when we cannot understand. And so we draw from Paul in Corinthians and in his other letters where he writes that he who began a good work in, in you will bring it to fulfillment in the day of Christ. It is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God whom we preach, in him it is not yes and no, but in him it is an everlasting yes. All the promises of God find their yes in him. So we, in a time of trial, recognizing the unfairness and injustice of life, we will find a way to receive and use a strength to start to withstand what we cannot understand. And in the third place, in the, in the light of 1 Corinthians 1, 1, and 1 through 9, we will affirm that we can find a strength to start under the aegis of a common hope, a hopeful outlook for an unforeseen future. Particularly when the challenge is fierce, it is tempting to think twice and think 20 times twice before we give ourselves over to the risk 
that is required for every and any venture. And yet the testimony of our tradition and of our scripture, of our liturgy and of our hymnody, of our gathering, this and every Sunday, is meant to remind us of those who have had hope and so have moved forward. Paul must have had hope to initiate a community in Corinth, to instigate a church in Philippi, to ignite a community in Galatia. And in our time, across these windows, you notice in the nave of Marsh Chapel that space is important. The windows at the lower bank are of spaces, and they're very important. But the great windows of the nave are given not to space, but to personality. And we think of all those since the building of this chapel who have lived with a sense of hope for the future. It must have been a deep hope that took Martin Luther King from August 28th in 1963 all the way to April in 1968 saying, I may not get there with you, but I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land, a sense of an abiding hope, grace, and mercy for the future opening out for us. This capacity to hope is not meant only for the great horizons of history in which we are involved and which we have attended to in these past several weeks. It's also lived in a community of faith like Marsh Chapel. It comes when individuals and groups decide to try something they've never done, not knowing whether they're going to succeed. And so through the Epiphany Weeks, we've had a team of people working on an event that culminated on Friday night. It was the first time we'd ever had such a party. We didn't know whether two would turn up or 20. As it turned out, about 70 came. We enjoyed Barrister's Hall. There was a community of grace located in a hall devoted to law. Can you imagine that? There we were. Our hospitality team worked through these weeks. One said of his co-worker, she worried that event into existence, and off it came. We, hear, we heard from our musicians as beautiful as that moment was in the hearing. It's lingering majesty feeds our hearts and souls to this day. And we had something that is new coming in the midst of this community, in this congregation. A community requires a commitment to live in community. People, all people, said Thurman, belong to one another. If that is to be true, we will need to find the heart, the time, the space, the commitment in which we can delight with one another in a shared strength to start. That kind of confidence born of obedience in a strength to start comes in part from a sense, an abiding sense of the mystery of an uncertain future, but the capacity to enter it with hope. So friends, in this midwinter, this early winter, we invite you to put on the clothing of Christ, to find a strength to start, strength in Christ, strength through a time of trial, strength under the aegis of a lasting hope. And we invite you to dress accordingly, to dress and accessorize as people so strengthened. That is, we invite you to put on the sweater of faith and the scarf of faithfulness and the winter coat of salvation and to take up the shovel of faith and the ice pick of hope and to scatter the salt of love and to be a part of that community over time that will watch over one another in love and empower us with a strength to start. You have been given in Christ the strength to start and for that we give thanks this day. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for prayer, I invite you to stand, to sit, or to come forward and kneel at the altar if it is your tradition to do so. Now let us sing together the call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Thank you, life-giving God, for the blessing of nature's abundance, its stunning mystery and awesome beauty. We ask for wisdom in stewarding the world's resources and protecting it for our children and for all life that finds a home here. Thank you, loving God, for people close to us who support and love us, those who know our story. Thank you for the blessing of their presence in our lives. We ask for your love to overflow in us that we may serve and honor them as Christ. Merciful God, we ask that your love that does not let go permeate every situation of conflict in the homes of our hearts and for distant communities struggling toward peace. Forgiving God, unify people of all creation together in wholeness. Guide those in leadership throughout the world in peacemaking and give us the gift of reconciling love in our daily lives. Healing God, we ask for your presence through each of us to be with those who need healing, who suffer in body, mind, and spirit. Comfort those who are hungry, lonely, or without a place to call home, who fearful of tomorrow, looking for work, and hoping for just enough to live. Give them courage and hope and a taste of your abundance in their troubles. God of all comfort, Sit with those who wait in loving vigil. Embrace those who have died and those who grieve for them. May we share the comfort that we have received from you with those in sorrow. Gathering all these prayers together, these petitions spoken aloud and all the prayers we hold in our hearts, we pray as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power The peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you here to Marsh Chapel this morning. We hope that you will take an opportunity to sign in in the Red Book at the end of your pews, our ritual of friendship, to help us get to know one another better and to help us be in touch with you throughout the week. We would note that the chapel offices are closed tomorrow for President's Day and that here at Boston University, Tuesday will follow a Monday schedule. Um, both Monday dinner and Tuesday lunch here at Marsh Chapel are canceled for this week for that reason. On Wednesday, February 25th, here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, uh, is our interdenominational Ash Wednesday service at 6 p.m. We hope you will join us for that and the beginning of Lent. And we hope that those of you listening from afar will take a look at our renovated Marsh Chapel homepage and click the link to mark giving to participate in our life and ministry together here at Marsh Chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
offer these gifts to you for the service of your church and this community and the wider world. We ask that you use them responsibly. In Christ's name, amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen. 